Matthew chapter 2. Are you ready? Then Herod, when he had privily called the wise men, inquired of them diligently what time the star appeared. He wanted to know the specifics and the timing. And he sent them to Bethlehem and said, Go and search diligently for the young child. And when ye have found him, bring me word again, that I may come and worship him also. When they had heard the king, they departed, and lo, the star, which they saw in the east, went before them till it came and stood over where the young child was. And when they saw the star, they rejoiced with exceeding great joy. Someday I'm going to pause on verse 10. I have to move on. My brain just went in overdrive. Did you see smoke going out of my ears just now? (laughs) Oh man. All right, Lord. And when they were come into the house, they saw the young child with Mary, his mother, and fell down and worshiped him. And when they had opened their treasures, they presented unto him gifts, gold, frankincense, myrrh. Here's verse 12, and I will pause here. And being warned of God in a dream that they should not return to Herod, they departed into their own country another way. Amen. And today, I just want to offer a word, and I just thought maybe if we could grasp it, uh, the Lord would help us. I speak on this idea, the return. Okay, just, you're going to sit for a moment, so just remain standing, if you will. Are you there? Those magic men in the Magi, some people call them wise. They were oriental, even kings, well, anyway, those guys. They visited with Jesus and sure enjoyed their stay. Then warned in a dream of King Herod's scheme, they went home by another way. Yes, they went home by another way. Home by another way. Maybe me and you can be wise guys too and go home by another way. We can make it another way. Safe home, like they used to say. Keep a weathered eye to the chart on high and go home another way. Steer clear of royal welcomes. Avoid a big to-do. A king who would slaughter the innocent, he won't cut a deal for you. He really, really wants your presence and he'll comb your camel's fur. Till his boys announced they found trays of mounts of your frankincense, gold, and myrrh. It's time to go home by another way. Home by another way. Maybe me and you can be wise guys too. Go home by another way. We can make it another way. Safe home like they used to say. Keep a weathered eye to the chart on high. Home by another way. Amen. Everybody said amen. 
and you may be seated and let's clap our hands unto the Lord because he's a good God. If for a moment I might relate to you an axiom of truth. Consider the Magi, a traveling group of men from the east. They seek an audience with the king, King Herod. They have no ill intent. They seek no harm, but they have come to simply inquire as to the location of another king, a ruler that will govern all the land. But I suppose for that egocentric monarch who embraced power the way he did, this is not welcomed news. Herod now has hidden his discontent from the Magi. The Bible says that he was troubled. I'll read it to you. When Herod the king had heard these things, he was troubled and all Jerusalem with him. And when he had gathered all the chief priests and scribes of the people together, he demanded of them where Christ should be born. And they said unto him, In Bethlehem of Judea, for thus it is written by the prophet. Think of this. They're going to quote the prophet. And thou, Bethlehem, in the land of Judah, art not the least among the princes of Judah, for out of thee shall come a governor that shall rule my people Israel. All the evidence is laid out before Herod. Even the religious men knew the prophecy and where this Messiah would be born. They believed it. Think now with me. They believed it. They embraced the truth, but they thought that they could manage the prophetic. They knew it was true, but they thought they could manipulate the outcome. Mm -hmm. Oh, the foolishness of men who think, believe, they can circumvent or thwart the established word and plan of God. Many people acknowledge truth, but they have this sense that they can bypass the coming judgment. I'm talking to you now. Herod's discontent was not known to the Magi. They were merely seeking the promise of a coming ruler. They had no knowledge of the severity of their conversation or what this might invoke with, its, with this enraged king. So they met with him and went on their way. If we look closely, we'll find a time lapse. They've traveled so many miles. Ezra chapter 7 gives us a little insight into the many months of travel that it would have taken them. And now they arrive in the city of Jerusalem and from there it's a much shorter distance to find Mary and Joseph and the Christ. And when they finally come to the place and they see Jesus, they fall down and they worship him. Gifts are given and time is now spent again. This is no quick moment. That group of men, which were no less than men of wealth and means, would surely not have traveled alone. Only our American storytellers depict them as simply three in all. And that because there were just three types of gifts given. But the historical account speaks differently. There are many. They are more than a, than a few. There is a caravan of men and they have spent many days and a few months of travel. That visit will finally come to a close. Perhaps more time is spent with Joseph and Mary. A celebration of their own making is for, is for certain. Worship from beginning to the end is sure. But as they prepare to return home, even the night before, God sends them a dream. It's a word of warning do not go back the same way you came. 
Herein lies the axiom of truth. A word from God or a vision from God or the preached word or the taught word demands a change. And I wonder in my own life if all I have been taught and read and heard from the Lord, if all I have seen, the power, the miracles, the authority of the Spirit, even the revelation both of the end time and of the mighty God in Christ, I wonder if all of this, if it does not provoke, provoke, provoke me to change, if, if it doesn't move me or stir me, then nothing will. The Word, ladies and gentlemen, demands a change in your life. I come into this house one way, but I am compelled to leave a different way. If we ever come in here and we depart the same way we came, that we have not embraced the word from God, there always is a changing at the response of the word. In fact, to return the same way is ne to neglect the dream. Had they ignored what God had given them, they would have handed King Herod the location of his desire. Who knows what the end would have been for them? God's word in our life cannot stay dormant. The tragedy, of course, is that if you knew, you heard it, you were given the vision, the dream, the preached word, but you returned to life the same way you came. I do love this time of year. It's a great time, and I purposely look to the wonder of it all. Even sitting there today, when a few of those songs were being played, it was a solemn moment for me. I don't know how you took it, but we needed to hear those songs. We needed to hear Away in the Manger and Noel. We need to hear these things. We need to hear them and listen to them. To ingest them, to soak them in. I look at the wonder of the moment. It's a wonder. However, to a growing churchgoers, a group this has become more of a family endeavor than a reflection of the Christ and the birth of the Messiah. You're going to struggle with that because you deem family so very important. But there's nothing that rises above the incarnate God. I caution you today not to move too far from the solemn moment of the incarnate God. The Bible says that he took on the form of a servant and came in the likeness of a man. In all, he was born to die. God robed himself in flesh so that he could shed his own blood that would forever be enough for us. So I say to all the believers today, be careful not to look so closely at the glitter and the gold that you cannot see the distant cross and the sacrifice that was indeed the reason for his birth. Ingrained in the mind of the modern Christian are thoughts and words, phrases that are often, not always, but often that move us away from the seriousness of the church that he came to build. This might not sound too, too celebratory, but I cannot bypass the pressing of the days in which we live. This could be the last Christmas we'll celebrate before the coming of the Lord. It could be the last Christmas that we celebrate before America changes and never returns to the same. 200,000 Jews could have got out of Poland only less than a third escaped. But there's a phenomenon in the human mind called normalcy bias. Normalcy bias says that when there's trouble, 
your bias thinks that it's all going to go back to normal. It will just return. So 200,000 of those Polish Jews stayed in Poland. They could have gotten out, but they said, it'll, it'll return. This won't be forever. Hear me. It may never return. There may always be a conflict. Mm-hmm. Some of our words, even spoken through good intent, have diluted the path towards righteousness and our holy God. We serve a holy God. Say it with me. He's a holy God. Come on, say it. He's a holy God. He's a holy God. He's not a man that he should lie. He's a holy God. He's a righteous God. He's a righteous king. He's looking for a holy bride. He's looking for a holy church. Oh, yeah. Mm -hmm. But I also believe that the American Christian has adopted a more secular stance and that some of our phrases are born from the confines of the lowest common denominator in the church house. I'll offer you just one, though the list is long. And that phrase is this. Come as you are. Let me just clarify this for you. I'll declare it again. Everyone is welcome in this house. No one should ever feel unwelcome in this house. These doors are open to every person in our city and beyond. We want to make this place a house of love and refuge and help. And to that end, every member of New Life should be careful how they approach guests and new converts, even other members. Filters, ladies and gentlemen, are a good thing to ask for Christmas. (laughs) If you want to get somebody something, get them a filter. Because we should not talk the way we post. Well, all right, never mind. You don't want me to get on that, do you? It's supposed to be Christmas, man. We should be working on removing the plank in our own eye. That speaks to us because... When we don't do that, we look through the lens of arrogance. Anyone and everyone is welcome here. This is a house of refuge and safety. It's not just an escape from the chaos that ensues in our world. It is the functioning body of Jesus Christ where we praise and worship and give and serve and learn and heal and have fellowship and have hope. And I have said it again and I will come. It's important that you come here, that you gather together. There is a saturation that occurs when we gather. There is a blessing when we gather. The Holy Ghost moves on us when we gather. Songs and preaching and all that stirs us is when we gather. But as the Magi were warned in a dream, so too I offer this to you. It was never the intent of God to leave us the way that he found us or for us to leave him the way we came. Which means that the critical step is not how you come, it's how you return. Changed, reborn, made new, a new creature, restored, found. You were blind, sister, but now you see. You were in a deficit, but now you've been lifted up. Just remember a few months back when the Lord pulled you up out of that pit. I'm not going back the same way I came. I'm not going to live the same way I've been living. 
I want to speak into 2021 and say this church is never going to be the same. We're never going to be complacent. We're going to take every opportunity and worship every moment we can have. Yes. Please don't tell me. Oh, ladies and gentlemen, please don't tell me that you think we're going to go back to normal. It's never going to be normal. I'm never going to be the same. We're going to be more on fire. We're going to be more devoted. We're going to be more centered. We're going to talk in tongues more. We're going to baptize more. We're going to read the Bible more. We're going to pray more. The return is critical. Read your Bible, you'll find a woman caught in adultery. It's a sordid tale. There's a detail that's left out in it. They found her caught in the very act of adultery. I don't know much about biology, but it takes two. Nobody ever brought the guy. Because it probably was one of them. You don't just find somebody caught the act of adultery. Mm -hmm. And Jesus was then presented with a choice, a decision, to measure, to balance the established law of Moses or heresy. They were trying to push him into heresy, but if he rested on the established law of Moses, they would have had all the necessary means to stone her in front of all the people and then blame Jesus for her death they thought they had him trapped those men who brought that woman they cared nothing about her she was a pawn in their game to snare the Lord a ruse for cause to accuse him but then Jesus bit down to the ground and he started to write something in the dirt and then he looks up and he says he that is without sin among you cast the first stone And one by one, the Bible says it this way, from the oldest to the youngest. That means the older you live, the more opportunity for you to do wrong. Also, you probably know that you've done wrong. It's the most arrogant who hold their stones the longest. See how easy it is for me to get off track. Squirrel. (sighs) Isn't it tough when your pastor has ADD while he's preaching? (laughs) And the old men drop their stones and then the middle-aged guys and then finally the young guys. They walked away and a heap of rocks is going to speak to the forgiveness of the Lord in her life and in yours. Because he shouldn't be living today. You have no right to be in the presence of God. Judgment is suspended when you see the heap of stones. But take note because it didn't end there. That's not the end of the story. Jesus was not through with the teaching moment. He turned to the woman and he says to her, where are your accusers? They're gone. And this is what the Lord says. I don't condemn you either. But here's the prerequisite. Go and sin no more. You came to me with guilt. You should have been taken down. 
So just when you leave me, don't leave me the same way you came to me. You got to return a different way. You know too much now. You just encountered the Christ. You just encountered great forgiveness. Look at that heap of stones. Now you change your ways. From now on, you don't get caught because you won't get in the same place. You came bound with lust and greed. You came bound by sin. But the greater point is how you leave. Come. Come. But don't leave the same way you came. Even Jesus, being led by the Spirit in the wilderness when he was tempted, did not return the same way that he entered the wilderness. He was tempted, the lowest point of his earthly flesh. The Bible says that Jesus fasted 40 days. His body is now depleted. If you've ever fasted that long, it's a terrible and grueling experience. But the Lord had nothing but water, a little, a little strength, but most of it was gone. Satan himself will come to confront the Lord at the end of his fast. When the Lord's flesh was the weakest. The Bible says that Jesus was led by the Spirit into the wilderness. He came a certain way, even the Lord. But after he had conquered the natural desires of his humanity, the Bible says this, and I quote, And Jesus returned in the power of the Spirit into Galilee. He was led, but he returned a different way. Because when you conquer your flesh and your desires and your lust. There's a power in the spirit. When we came into this year, we had ideas and plans and thoughts. We came into this year fresh off of a 2019 fabulous and unbelievable Christmas celebration. This house was packed. The choir was here. All the decor was there. It was one of the best moments of our church. We were so excited. We, if you don't believe it, we have it recorded on video. You can watch it. You can say, boy, that was great. Although I think today was beautiful and I thank Zach and Lacey and the group. I thank you. It was wonderful. When we came into this year, we thought this is going to be a great year. We have plans. We're going to get connected. There'll be more life groups and more love and more fellowship. We'll have some consistency. We're going to get grounded. But everything has been torn up. Hear me. I cannot go back the same way we entered. I'm not going to do it. You cannot do it. The Lord has taught us a few things. I hope you can hear this. First, he taught us relationship with him is greater than the place where we come together. This is just, look, this is just normal for any church in any denomination. Typically, if, if, if members of a church miss four weeks in a row, uh, they're in trouble. They, they probably are not coming back. It's a very high probability that they're, that they're not coming back. Shut the church down for 11 or 12 weeks in a row and see what happens. The first few weeks, everybody's excited. You know, this is new, this is fresh. We're seeing the video Everything I preached in this house 11 weeks in a row. I, we finally turned off all the lights so I couldn't see anyone that was here or not in the pew. Every once in a while, you'll hear Brother Barber clap and saying, Amen, Pastor. <laughs> and then we open up and we, we're, we're, we're mitigating. We're mitigating. And then during all that is a chaos. It's a political uprising. Cities are being burned. Things are changing in America. It's like we've hyperbole, leaped forward into some other dimension. We've moved fast. In a few months, it's like we moved forward about 20 or 30 years. Mm -hmm. Things we never would have imagined. The disruption in our nation. 
and the disruption in our church. And then there's two services, and we did that as, as best we could to finally all of our vocal cords were gone, and we were trying to figure out how we're going to do it. And then, then, then the masks, you know, everyone has a mask, which is a good thing. I, I think it's a good thing, but I don't know if it's everything. Although I would submit that sometimes people may look a little better. I'm not sure. Is that offensive? I'm sorry. That was offensive. <laughs> I shouldn't have said that, Tammy. Forgive me. <laughs> you told me not to say that. I told you about that lady that I was just trying to be kind and we were wearing masks. We were in Rule King and I said, have you learned how to smile with your eyes? And she looked up at my gray hair and she said, you know, sir, when we get our age, it's a lot easier. That's offensive. What are you talking about? I dyed my hair this color. Fashionable. Then we get back together, things are going good, and then maybe a couple of hundred of us get sick. I wasn't tested. So it's just your word against mine. But 12 days of fever and fatigue, yeah. And then during that time, people said, well, you know what, I just, I, I don't know about this. I don't want to do that. And I don't know, we got to, we're just mitigating. These are waters. Who knows how to operate? If you know how to operate, someone just tell me. I'll give you, my cell phone number is eight. My cell phone number is somewhere listed. <laughs> it's in a book. <laughs> call, call me. If you know how to operate, I'm just praying our way through all of these waters. Not sure. All I know is that the gospel's got to be preached. All I know is we can't go back the same way we came. All I know is that people are still dying and they're going to hell. And they need a salvation. And they need a savior. And they need the blood. And they need it. They got to have a church. Hey. And I want to I want to caution you now. You've been given revelation. Some of you have been raised with the truth. Some of you have been given great insight. Do not get calloused and cold. Don't get calloused and cold. Love God. You've got to serve God. Come on. I, I, surely I'm not the only one that has a, had a dream in my life that God gave me. If God ever gave you a dream or a vision or a word of prophecy, raise your hand. If he gave that to you, do not forget that. Don't circumvent that. There's a call. There is a desire. There's a power. You cannot return the same way you came. And I would submit, and I know, I don't know if I'm getting ahead of myself or not, but I would just submit to you, we're going to have to build a church. There's going to be a great end time revival. People are going to come to God. Hungry people are going to come to God. We're going to have to build a new building. We're going to have to have prayer and sacrifice. We're going to have to teach Bible studies. We're going to have to have prayer meetings. We are not going to wallow in the political mess or the scientific mess or all of this. we got a work to do. We've got a mission and a gospel to preach.
So pardon me. I am not leaving him in a manger. If you read your bulletin today, the manger is a momentary place. The manger is a wonderful place. But he didn't stay very long in the manger. He didn't stay very long in the crib. He's marching his way up to Golgotha. He's got a plan. He came because he got a plan. And Christmas is going to be over. But the lost is still going to be lost. And the blind are still not going to see. And the church has got to rise up. And we make a declaration. Hey! Here's my declaration to you. The greatest gift you can give this year is yourself to the kingdom. Come stand with me. I've, uh, come on, all the gifts. Stand up, gifts. You present yourself to the cause of Jesus Christ and say whatever is best for the kingdom, here I am. Come on, ladies and gentlemen. Here, young adults, youth group, give yourself to the, as, as a gift to the Lord and to the work of God. Can you hear, Pastor, now? Because the tragedy is for you to have all of this and be unchanged. The tragedy is for us to go through this whole year of chaos and be unchanged and unmoved. And go back and say, well, I'm just, I'm just going to wait till everything gets back to normal. Oh, no. We got to increase everything. We are the only light left in this earth. You are the only light left in this world. You are. Yes. Ah. Uh. Ah. Ah. I want you to focus right now in your own life. I want you to pray for yourself and just say, Lord, help me. I need, I want to be changed. I want to be stirred, Lord. You've invested something inside of me, Lord. So I pray right now, let me do a greater work than I've ever done. Did you pray that? Pray it again. Pray it again. Lord, I pray for me. I pray let me do a greater work for the kingdom than I've ever done. In Jesus' name. Now I want you to thank God that we were able to come into this building. I want you to thank God that we got to be here to worship together. Come on, thank the Lord. Thank you, Lord. It's a good day. It's a good day. In Latin, the word is called stare decisis. Stare decisis was used and was attempted to be used against Judge Alito. If you watch those, it's been some time now, those nomination processes that occurred in the Senate, there was a senator that addressed Judge Alito and he tried to trap Judge Alito and he said he's a justice now but at the time he was a judge he said Judge Alito do you believe in stare decisis and that word in Latin means let the decision stand he was referring to the 1972 Roe versus Wade he wanted Judge Alito to admit or to say how he would rule 
on any attack against Roe versus Wade or legalized abortion. Judge Alito, who is now a justice, of course, was very clever and did not address the senator because he would not make a declaration, as none of them should, as to how they would present a case as hypothetical. Let the decision stand or stare decisis is a precedent-setting term, which means that decisions are made based upon a prior decision. And so they, they go back to the earliest prior decision and decide a case based upon case law or what has been established, stare decisis. And they can shrug their shoulders and say, well, we, we can't do anything because we're bound by a prior decision. This is what Peter and John said when, when they were told, don't preach anymore and teach his name. And they said, well, we hearken unto you or unto God. We can only but speak the things which we have seen and heard. It's already been established. It's precedent. Jesus as Lord is just precedent. But you're living in a day when all the precedent setting things have changed and now there's a new precedent and the new precedent, the government can kick us out of our churches. Now I believe in safety and, I, and we've done our part and we'll continue to do whatever we can. Watch it now. Watch it. Be aware. Be sober. Be diligent, ladies and gentlemen. Press your way. And if we have to wear a mask, if we can't... Listen... I, I don't know. Listen, wear a burlap bag, but come to church if you have to do that. If, listen, if you can't, we're not there, but if, but if you can't, you realize what the first century church went through? They were, they, were, they were boiled in oil. They were stoned. They were drawn through the sword. They did everything. We, don't ha- we have it easy. Go out to the atrium and just walk around. You can look around. Pardon me, I hope this is appropriate. We have more restrooms than we've ever had before. I mean, there's so much. We have so much. So much. That's why we're not changed. There's no need to, there's no need to go home a different way. Listen, I'm going to press against every government mandate that takes me away from my religious liberty. I'm going to, I'm going to fight against it. I'm ready to start my own march because we're going to have church. We're going to lay hands on people. People are going to get the Holy Ghost. I'm going to sing. We'll take whatever precautions, but we're going to magnify God. We're going to get in this house. Listen. Listen, the church has got to come together. We are not going to be the same as we used to be. We're going to be better. We're going to be stronger. We're going to be more fervent. We're going to be more committed. You ought to clap your hands and make a shout and a joyful noise to God.